The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. This is Eric with Metagamers Anonymous. I want to thank you so much for listening to our show. This week, I had an opportunity, a very rare opportunity for me to sit down with an old friend whom I'd never actually met in person prior to this weekend while I was at Gen Con 2021. He actually made the trip up to Gen Con. For him, it was about a four-hour drive from St. Louis just to, just to visit with me, just to see me. I mean, he'd, he'd done Gen Con before. He really enjoys the convention, and he took this opportunity to kind of revitalize his interest in uh, some of the media stuff he's done in the past. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do with that, what kind of reports will be coming out of Carpe GM, which is the, the organization he represents. So I spoke with Dan from Carpe GM. We had a fantastic conversation, and I'm going to share that with you now. Thank you so much for listening to episode number 263 of Metagamers Anonymous, a Gen Conversation. I am hanging out at Gen Con. 2021, and I have uh, Dan Horl with me. <laughs> That's me from Carpe GM, longtime uh, partner of ours in the uh, gaming community, online gaming community. Dan, it has been a rare pre- pleasure to hang out with you this weekend. Because, Likewise, sir. Yeah, because we we talked about catching up for years at one event or another, or or just visiting. I always wanted to come out to St. Louis, and um, you were frankly always going to be too busy to come to Wichita. <laughs> I guess that's what I guess that's a reality. <laughs> but, but yeah, the cool thing is it's been a decade. It has, hasn't it? It's been a decade so, and I just met you. Uh so right on. Thanks for everything you've done. Uh it's been very cool. I know I've been a little bit defunct lately, but uh you smell fine. <laughs> but um we've uh we've always been metagamer synonymous. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for having me on. Thanks for hanging out. It's been really cool. I, n- I never thought it would take me this long to get to Gen Con. Yeah, me and neither. I, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I, I'm super stoked that I did, but even then, I, you know, I was lucky. I had, I had fans who took pity on me and wanted to see it happen and, and made financial arrangements to help me out and shit, uh, which has been great, but it's obvious I'm not going to do this every year. Right. I am realizing this morning for the first time because you know i i do conventions now i didn't used to mm-hmm. but uh i and famously i've been known to point out that my very first game con was my own right i never went to another con before i started so I, that's insanity i that I, is the definition of insanity I, <laughs> look it up starting a game con without ever having I been to did, a game con. yeah and there's a picture of me right there going yep. hi and i'm just <laughs> but i uh I did partner up with people that knew how to do it. Yeah. You know, and so I I, I like to feel, I, I like to think, rather, that not knowing what I do is doing was also an avenue towards innovation. There's always some innocence with uh, not having the frame of reference and knowing what you're doing. I was okay with it. <laughs> I really was. I, I think that, and, and again, you know, having good partners and people that really knew how to pick up the slack where I didn't know what needed to be done but they need but they really depended on me to make an event happen yeah you know because that's not a small feat you have to know how to do that and right you know I, I, that's I, a whole I, different skill set i'd never done a game con but i'd done events for 15 years in yeah. radio planning concerts and home and leisure shows and cooking shows and wedding vi- you know well I that just, makes sense yeah all kinds of stuff so you're every, a toddler not a baby that's it, yeah <laughs> you know but it was still was educational obviously because when sure. you're when you're at the heart of it I mean, there's no way you can even compare what I do to No. <laughs> so the focus of your convention is connection and fun. Very much. And uh, which is which I hear all kinds of great things, 
I, I've, I talked to people here the last couple of days who have said, we love the small cons too. Yeah. Because you get to, you really get to play the games. They don't, everything doesn't sell out the instant it's posted. Right. You get to try the games you want to try and you, you don't feel as, you know, barraged by everything when you walk in the door. Right. It's a more comfortable and if it's the right con, it also, and I, and I hear this about Tsunami Con a lot and uh, I, I'm very grateful for it. Our community is, is good. Our community is a fun community to hang out with. There's a, a really great, generous spirit in the building when people come and spend time there. And our local our local gamers, I, I can't be proud enough of the way they've the supported the convention and turned out for it. Last, you know, last year, obviously. Doesn't did, count. You know. Scratch it off. And this year we had to go virtual again because we had to plan you know, in January. You know what? But <laughs> necessity f- facilitates innovation. Yes. So going forward, even when you are able to have your physical uh, convention again, I guarantee you, you're going to incorporate some form of virtual, uh, yes, it, virtual um, experience and into it. We got that question a lot after we started because obviously moving to a virtual format meant that people from all over the world could play, right? And that was a new thing. And know. see, that's the thing. I've been coming to Gen Con for many years. We were talking a while back. You know, I I went way back when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, uh, so long ago, I don't even remember which one it was. Right, Minneapolis, right. Wisconsin. Uh, but in any case, I took several years off, and it wasn't until after I started Carpe Gym again. I think I'd been to one Gen Con before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been to Gen Con every year since then, and I've watched it grow and get crazy. And the the difference, the scale of Gen Con versus other other smaller cons is it, it's almost immeasurable. Yeah, like just the the. The we are meteors beside the sun. Yeah, it's exactly it's right. Ridiculous. It's exactly right. I I commented yesterday, and I think I may even mention it on a blog I wrote that when I walked in to the entry corridor, yeah, of the convention center here in Indianapolis, my entire convention would fit in the hallway. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and not most even, local and it wouldn't take, would. It wouldn't take the whole hallway. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. Just, just a section of it. Yeah, it could be another convention down the hall. Just which isn't that. to say that our feel. I feel that our convention is small. You know, we get four or five hundred people in the door. We feel no. That's a good busy. convention. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. But you know, I'm, I'm not really here to talk about that. It's apples and oranges, basically, is what I'm saying for sure. And I, and I really am happy I got to do this. I don't know whether I'll get to do it again, you know, because it is expensive. I've spent more money this weekend than I have any right to. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't, yes, just don't necessarily know if I've spent more money than I have yet. I'll know soon. Uh, my wife doesn't bother looking at the uh, I'm not looking at the bank account right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's been good. It's a unique experience, so I I have to feel good about that too. Yeah, I'm spending money. I I, I bought some you know I bought some art for as gifts uh, for my wife and my daughter. Some uh, some pins, and some dice for you know friends and gamers. Sure. Um, that I I know they'll enjoy. You know that I know that fun. I I spent like I, I had to I had to buy something, so I bought like one RPG book. There's a group that was, and I've got it over there. I'll have to look it up. I'll post a link to them. Uh, it's in a, it's a revolutionary war. 5e, you know, cool game, and it's uh, it looks cool. It looks nice. They did a nice job on it, a nice presentation. But they're a small game crew, game design. That's all they've done so far. So Revolutionary War, that's um, I think that'll fit well with the 
the far swinging mechanics that happen in mm-hmm. 5e, mm-hmm. the advantage dice. Yeah, 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 I guess. I think that would probably fit pretty uh, well. Obviously, if I were wanting to run, if I were myself wanting to run games in that time period, I would go to Savage Worlds or yeah. a system that's made to be more versatile than, sure, than but reskinning D&D stuff. A but. small party adventure, you know, something akin to, like, the Patriot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would probably work really Guerrilla well. Warfare. Yeah, I think that would work really well in there. The Guerrilla Warfare up against British regulars. Sure. Who know how to stand there and shoot. Absolutely. Yeah, although, yeah, I, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, there's something to that, too, because, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot involved in the warfare of the time period that would kind of blow your mind if you, you know, oh, sit there. I'm, I'm certain. Really dig into it. It was it was advanced in its way. At the time, the British infantry was the most, you know, just most fearsome fighting force in the world. We as humans will always find better ways to kill each other. Yeah. That's just all there is to it. Now we just hope that the better ways are with dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to play a couple games this weekend. I've got, I've got to play a couple a couple Savage Worlds games. Uh, Peter ran and a friend of uh, his that uh, we met here at the con ran, and that's a pretty good group. Yeah, I got to play uh, along. We that's, had that's nice. uh, we had five people at the table counting the DM. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and had you gotten a chance? To, you haven't got a chance to play the Suede, the new Savage Worlds. No, stuff. I have not. I don't know if you managed to get any feel for uh, it at all. Honestly, it's... I have been kind of out of the loop for a while. Uh, yeah. With work, COVID upset my. My routines. Go figure. Yeah, imagine. And so I really honestly haven't been able to game at all since this whole thing happened. That's uh, sad, man. A little bit of family gaming, a little bit of party game right. here and there with, with my family. But nothing serious, nothing, you know. Well, and you, I know you're... At that time. You know, when when we were visiting a lot, um, been a few years now, your, uh, your, your family, your kids, that was a lot of your game group. Yeah, and I, they're I, they're getting older. Th- yep, got their own lives. People. You know, got some some have kids. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a grandfather. Wow, I'm so sorry. No, 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 I'm an awesome grandfather. You, I, you, I bet you, you are. Actually, you don't be sorry. I'm. I I'm, bet you are. <laughs> I I I, I look s- good. I, I don't think I will be <laughs> a grandfather, at least not for a while. So Gabriel's only twelve, and he's about as socially um, well. No, I, I think he handles social better than his sister, but. Hmm. Since, you know, Nero has to have contact with other human beings to have children, and yeah. I don't think she plans to do either of those things. <laughs> it's up to him now, and who knows if I'll survive that long. But I I really think um, this was good timing, despite the pandemic. I, sure. I needed this. I really needed this. I needed the downtime, too. I've been working too much. Uh, it kicked me in the butt to get net back up and running, making sure that that was all squared away. The podcast back up and running. Gives me a reason to push forward in making some time for fun. Now, do you have kind of a vision yet of what you're going to do? Because I know you're going to have to kind I'm going to change the model it. a little bit. Uh, yeah. I'm going to start with just me talking to interesting people uh, inside the community or adjacent to the community. Mm-hmm. Things like that. I'm going to start with that. Some interview shows. And then we'll see where it goes from there. I still have contact with a couple of the people from the podcast. Not sure where they're live, where they're at in their lives, whether or not right. they would be able to partake. Then again, those aren't the only people I know. I right. know some great goofballs that would probably be willing <laughs> to hop in. So, you know, stay tuned. You might be well, able to find something. That's what I was going to say enjoy. earlier. Is I think it didn't hit me till this morning that I've been thinking of the Gen Con experience in terms of scale. Yeah. You know, that this was a huge convention, which it is. Even this year, it's it's definitely smaller than Gen Con usually is. Yes. By a significant stretch. At least half. Said. But it is also still a big con with a lot of freaking For people. For sure. 
and I was really um, I, I was I was I was really expecting that, and that I might get a chance to obviously to uh, check out games I'd never heard of mm-hmm. and see. You know, I, I was looking forward to the dealer hall more than anything. Yeah, just just to see it, just to. Well, I, okay. So, as as somebody that runs a convention, the first thing that occurs to me when I go to another convention is, are there people here that I can interest in what we do? Yeah, you know, and and that doesn't necessarily just be my con. It also means the podcast, the mm-hmm. community. You know, sometimes even I mean, a lot of times people that can't afford a booth at Gen Con are not necessarily interested in a little convention like ours in Wichita. But well, they, if they are, good luck finding them in a sea of four thousand right. people in the same room. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. But also that that doesn't preclude building relationships with them that Absolutely. can yield results. And so, yeah, I've already talked to a couple people, for example, this weekend who want to do some stuff with a con that may not involve them coming down, right. but can do promotional stuff. And we can give stuff away and we right. can cross promote between their community and ours and, and build a relationship. I mean, that was always the basis of where we started from. Gaming is like that. Gaming, cross-pollination, and sharing the inspiration, sharing the hobby, support, support, support. And that's kind of what I was getting at. I realized this morning that, um, you know, Peter, who I came here with, typically, uh, he's, uh, some of our listeners may know him. He's been on the show once, I think. Um, He's a friend. He's become a big part of our local community. And he's been kind of my guide through a lot of this this week. Seems like a pretty uh, astute one, actually. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. This yeah. is I, this is this uh, you know eighty fourth Gen Con. It's only been around for 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> fifty years, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, he, he's who he's been doing this since like eighty three. I think he said he missed like one year. Wow. So he definitely this is mecca for him. You know where you where you go once a year, you mm-hmm. sojourn once a year, and um, he's built these relationships with these people at this convention over the years. And a lot of his friends meet here every year and do stuff. And a lot of them aren't here this year. Yeah. And so it's, it feels a little like you're in the desert. You know? Yeah. But that made me realize that um, if I stopped and thought about for a minute, what's missing? And I, you know, I, was, I was kind of beating that around my head for like an hour this morning. What is missing? This convention is cool. This is fun. I'm having a good time. Yeah. I, I don't ever get to enjoy conventions in this way. Right. Because my convention I'm running. Right. And then typically when I go to the other conventions that I, my wife and I attend... We're selling tea. Mm-hmm. You know, we run a booth. We're selling product, and or I am doing promotional stuff. I am doing interviews. I am, you know, busy yeah. through the weekend. I will sometimes run or play an occasional game, but the focus is very much on the business side of it. Well, here that wasn't ever going to be my aim. Right. Even even walking around like I am and saying I'm, I'm networking and stuff, that isn't my goal. Right. My goal is just to soak it in. I realized this morning that what I was missing was my friends. Yeah. I was missing the the people that I game with every week who would enjoy the hell out of this. Yeah. You know, and some of them, I realized that it's a little pretentious. Some of them are not social butterflies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of introverts in our hobby, so that's no surprise. Mm-hmm. But it's also, the thing about a convention is you've got 20,000 introverts here who all have the same thing in common. Yeah, you can sit down at a table in the dealer hall and uh, expo a game and the four of you and mm-hmm. your friends can sit down at the table and the rest of the convention hall kind of disappears yeah you do um, what you want to do and because you're there to run to play a game even if you're dealing with strangers yeah you're there for the same reason and even the beauty of the dealer hall of this size with this many people and this many games and the, everything sells out you know whatever 
is that you get to try those eighty, ninety, hundred dollar games, those big mo- blockbuster <laughs> monsters that you're not going to buy. Right. You get to sit down and try and <laughs> feel what the feel what the the components feel like, and look at the art, and just play with it. Or you can sit down with um, one of the books. You can put, pick up one of the books, and you can open it and look at the art for the RPG that you're not going to pay money for, right. but you're interested in the concept. You know, so th- that's the the super cool thing about the dealer room. The other thing is for me potentially meeting the designers. I started my yeah. show and my website because I wanted to get into the gaming community as a designer and whatnot, which completely failed at so far. Got huh. several designs, hasn't made it out. But I couldn't absorb the risk of just diving in. I made one card a, game. <laughs> I, I made one card game, good, damn it. Good job. <laughs> I've, I've, I made it. I've the, been somebody. So I kind of came in through the side door. Yeah. And the problem with that was the more I learned about the industry, the more I learned I couldn't afford the risk. So it's just making stuff for my friends, doing stuff you know, at home. We should talk about that because there's actually ways you can get around some of that risk nowadays. For sure. You know, Small especially scale. Especially with Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And there's and, also yeah. another game... It doesn't have to be a small scale with Kickstarter. Yeah. But you have to have... If you want to make money, you have to have money going in, just right. like anything else. Yeah. So there is that, because, you know, you got to have nice things to show off. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you're, you got, you've always had good ideas. You know, a, a really good way of, of putting mechanics and concepts sure. together. And I bet if you, you know, sat down and put your mind to it, you could create some really innovative and interesting games that would get attention. I, I think so, too. I can't draw a damn thing. Now you got an artist. So, <laughs> so even concept art looks like uh, one game. Kindergarten. I got one game. <laughs> my uh, my brother did the art for me, and it wasn't real demanding. It's a card game. All yeah. I needed was icons. You know, right. I was like, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. And he did great. <laughs> he did great. Well, he drew dude. me like like eight or nine pictures. You know, I was like, it fit on a card. Right. You know, it wasn't a big deal. So. Yeah, I mean, but it is it is true that anybody can do that now. Yeah. Yeah, really the tools are there if you happen to have the right set of skills at your disposal. All right, well, stay tuned. My game will come out next month. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Eric yeah, said it is so. I can't, even, uh, I can't even begin to tell you how many artists listen to my show and beat down my door <laughs> to want to get involved in game design with me. For sure. I, I think it's becoming a tough industry to really it's not tough to break into but it's tough to do anything significant with long term especially there's a lot of noise yeah so this was one of the things that i kind of wanted to discuss was the amount of just noise in that i'm seeing i'm in the press room things are a little bit different i'm in the press room here at gen con and uh they've got a bunch of new games new releases and whatnot outlining the walls and you can take a look at them yeah, I saw the I saw the stack. You said you were going to kind of peruse some of them. Yeah, I went through and looked at them. A lot of them, the games are good quality components. Mm-hmm. Uh, the box arts look good, uh, but uh, a lot of it I'm calling like so. You've got your your ab, your abstract games. Like mm-hmm. those are coming out left and right because right. those are basically just mechanics with some sort of stylized art skin on top of them. But the mechanics are the meat and potatoes of the game. Right. Uh, you don't have to buy into. Uh, anything now? Sometimes you hit a goldmine like a game like Sagrada, which is a pretty game as well as an abstract game, and you get to roll dice and move stuff around. You know. Uh, okay. Have you seen Sagrada? I have not. It's basically you are using dice to build a stained glass window based on patterns, and the dice are the glass 
pieces. Oh, it's a beautiful clever. game. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's absolutely beautiful. But what I'm seeing a lot of is what I'm calling thin skin games, which is you have this mechanic, somebody had a mechanic in their back pocket, or they had this concept, this con- this bare bones idea of a mechanic. They flesh that out to a point where it's a workable concept, and then they layer a thin skin of some intellectual property over the top of it. So you see that with things like, there's a new game coming, the the Goonies, you know, which is cool. I'm all about a Goonies game, but it's one of those situations where the IP existed, then they retrofitted that into some sort of a mechanics uh, basket. Uh, The Goonies, there was a Jaws game out not too long ago. It's horrible, and I love Jaws. You could have probably sold it to me just as a, I don't know, a poster. I yeah. probably would have <laughs> bought it. But, uh, you know, there's, there, it, there's not a lot of innovation in the actual game design itself, and there's mm. just tons of those out there. This kind of started from what I saw five, six years ago. Target got into the... Uh-huh. Got into the hobby game world. And when yeah. they did, they contracted a company that we had on our show called Big Potato Games. I remember. Uh, and he, they, they had a whole line of games that were getting ready to be put out at Target. And some of them were really, really good. Some of them were just the same stuff wrapped up in new packages. Right. Um, oh, look, it plays like Uno, but it, it looks like... Yeah. yeah, it's apples to apples. Or, you know, it's all pretty much the mm-hmm. same. Or just being obnoxious conversation games. You know, Bluffing games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of Identity that. obfuscation games. They had a couple of really good gems in there, but, you know, it is what it is. I think it started there, and since then, you know, Funko got into the company, and it's, their games are all about moving their Funko Pops around on a board. Did I see they have a big booth down there? Yeah, they just, they've got a new one. I don't even remember what it was. I remember um, seeing their sign over the booth, though. They have one of those big circular signs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what I was doing as I was wandering through the dealer room was looking for innovative mechanics, innovative game ideas, not just the same stuff with a new skin, or a cool skin with some mediocre mechanics. Now, don't get me wrong, there's lots of stuff out there. The 800-pound gorilla this year right now, I think, is called Dinosaur World. Uh, from Which, Pandasaurus. Pandasaurus, yeah. yeah. They, it's basically Jurassic I Park, s- the board game. I stopped and watched a little bit of a demo in the game room. And uh, just the table, just this volume of junk on the table yeah. was dizzy. It's a four-by-six table and it's completely covered yeah. with components, which, that's cool. Everybody likes to push cardboard around. A tactile component <laughs> of that is fine, <laughs> but like that's the base game. That's not even with any expansions or anything. And Pandasaurus keeps their price points down pretty good, but not endorsing that game. In any case, there's a, I found a couple that were... Uh, Honestly, just kind of light mechanics, but just a super, I don't know what the word is, just an innovative way to look at those mechanics. Yeah. And I'll be featuring those on my website, and I've got interviews with uh, either PR or game designers, whichever there. Uh, Picture Perfect Mm -hmm. is one where you're setting up a diorama, essentially. You were telling me about this. It It sounds really cool. Yeah, and you take a picture with your cell phone. Uh, but the problem is the pieces in the game are you know cardboard cutouts that stand up, and maybe this cardboard cutout that looks like Colonel Mustard doesn't want to stand next to the potted plant. And this lady in the ball gown has to be up front, and she doesn't want to be by a man. Or this person wants to be in the picture but doesn't want her face shown. So you have to figure out inside this diorama how to set these things up, and then you take a physical picture and 
then you score from your picture. You go through a, a checklist of right. things. But so it sounded was, like you were doing it competitively with like yeah, there's other people. You're working the same picture, it sounded like. You're all working the same picture with the same cast of characters. But different needs. And you have different... You you have a client that wants a thing, and then each of those individual players want... Each of, each of those Some individual... Some of those can conflict, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have to decide whether to keep them happy or throw them out of the picture. And so... And each one of those things that you can complete is worth a point or you know, X amount of victory points or whatever it is. So whoever has the most happy people in their picture wins the game. So, I mean, that was really cool, the innovation of being able to use your cell phone, you know, turn, go from left to right angle as if you were a photographer in the room trying to make sure that you can get the best picture. Uh, that was a pretty cool one. And there was another one that I came across that was, uh, it's called Million Dollar Script, which is a party game that you are basically you it's a party game where you split up into two teams somebody is playing the uh, studio executive and the two teams are essentially trying to create this million dollar script and the script is evolving as you are playing through the game so the first thing might be let's figure out uh the the protagonist and you may have something like a uh i, I don't know a compulsive lying vampire who can't keep a secret? <laughs> Does he use like a randomizing element to give you? Yes, you things? can. You can essentially. There's a bunch of choices, and you can pick one, or you can. Oh, cool. You can yeah. randomly move your card up and down to cover all the rest of them. You stop on whichever one it is. Uh, so there's there's a randomizer there, or you as a team can just pick one depending on how you want to play. So anyway, you build your cool. protagonist, and then the executive. This is where the apples to apples mechanic comes in. Listen, you've got three minutes to to fight it out with your team and figure out what you want to do. Then you've got 90 seconds to pitch to the executive your character, your protagonist. Now, the the executive may have, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what it was, six victory points or whatever it is, and he can buy your ideas. So he may say, yeah, I like your, your compulsively lying vampire, but I think I would rather do it with the uh and the i don't know afraid of the dark than nyctophobia <laughs> twist on there so i'm going to buy your from the other team i'm going to buy your vampire for four and i'm going to give you two for your your nyctophobia nice and then that nyctophobic compulsively lying vampire who can't keep a secret has become your protagonist and that is the reality of the movie that you are building so the next round is going to be build your villain and as you develop the the movie and the characters, the sidekick, the villain, the twist, the plot, you know, whatever, it keeps evolving in this ridiculous way. So now I hear this pitch, and I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of cool, whatever, but here's the game changer. So at the the very end of the pitch, and I told him he buried the lead, he's got to grab these, he's got to tell people about this right up front. The very end of the pitch, he tells me, oh, and these cards, and there's these set of green cards, everybody on your team gets a card. And while you're doing your pitch to the executive, everybody has a job. Somebody's doing the narration. Okay, Mr. Vampire's walking into the bank, such and so-and-so, and he's just talking through it. <laughs> I see where this is But going. then somebody is doing the sound effects with the door <laughs> creaking. <laughs> somebody's doing the score behind it. All at the same time, you're pitching and role-playing this movie. So all of a sudden, you've hooked the role-player in me because I'm die-hard there. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you just gave me chills. It's time to start talking about this for real now. Like, okay, so right. walk through this. So that was um, that was pretty pretty innovative. So you've got this party game that has this tiny role playing component that 
can make it fun for people who are into more emotional games. You know, it can. It's literally as varied as there are groups of friends. I like it. It requires creativity. Yes, and it but, becomes an improv exercise. Yeah, then at yeah. that point. Because you don't have complete control over your movie. So, super cool. Check it out. It's called uh, Million Dollar Script. Uh, there's a couple other ones. You can check on my website for them. Crumbs, which is an adorable uh, area control game with park creatures trying to eat crumbs, was one. Nice. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty adorable. Um, there's a few there. But what does, to me, like, I feel... In this convention, because I've been to several in the last few years, I feel that the level of inspiration from a lot of designers or the level of commitment by the companies has suffered through 2020 with COVID. And it's also possible we're seeing some motivation problems. Yeah, motivation. motivation. I can honestly say that there was a lot of things because I'm one of those people when the pandemic hit, my job went away. Yeah. You know, I had more time on my hands. I honestly felt I was going to get things done because I'm one of those people that I'm always working on stuff, yep. right? I get it. I, I don't languish. So it's, I, 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 can't even, I can't even zone out on stuff most of the time. I have to constantly be doing something that I feel is worthwhile. Right. So I'm going to get so much done. No, no. I was. I should have gotten my second. I should have gotten the sequel to Shadow of the Spire out last year. Yeah. Done, pressed, and everything. And I'm not even. I still got you know forty forty thousand words left in the manuscript. Wow. It's just been, and it's not just been sitting there. I just don't find it in me. The, yeah. the year was so demotivating. Oh, for so sure. dispiriting. You know, and and I wasn't. You know, I wasn't in a terrible place. I mean, my. Uh, my house wasn't a terrible place to be. There's some people that end up at home all the time with family they don't they can't stand. Yeah, you know, I I love spending time with my family. It's fine, and we don't spend all our time together on the same thing. So I did have plenty of time to myself to work on things. I just didn't have it in me. I finally decided to go to school just because I knew it would force me to do something that I wanted to do. You know, yeah. and so is that what I've got to do? Do I have to do something that I am? Compelled, you know, the, the, the power of school compels me. Even go this to weekend, or go to bed. I still even have to get a paper written tomorrow, and I'm a Gen Con. Yeah, you know, it's just like sucks. But I, 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 that could be part of it. That could be part of it. I mean, some people obviously thrived. Some people had great ideas and for and sure did their thing. There's a few there, and I backed, you know, a handful of Kickstarters. That wasn't made of money, right? <laughs> but I backed a handful of Kickstarters. People doing good stuff, but uh, and, and then of course we all spent a year. Well, obviously you didn't, but we all spent a year gaming on Zoom. Yeah, you know which was I never stopped working adjustment. But yeah, and you, you you're I got furloughed. You, you work for yourself. I got furloughed so. from my other job, so I wound up having to pull the trigger because I was only eating what I killed for a while. Mm-hmm. So I was working like a monster uh, there, and then I got back to my other my other job, which is in the restaurant business. Right. So that has just been insane. Anybody that's eaten in a restaurant in a year and a half can understand the restaurant business is crazy. So oh, it, it literally has taken up all of my energy. We were talking about restaurants this weekend here because yeah. Gen Con's a huge event for Indianapolis and always drops a ton of business on the downtown area, obviously. And the restaurants are not necessarily keeping up. No, I there's think. a steak and shake around the corner, right? Yeah, and I was thinking it was late last night. Thinking maybe I'll or not night before. Doesn't matter. Lose the story in the details. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking maybe I'll go grab a steak burger. Yeah. We're making all this shit up. It's actually two weeks after Gen Con, and no, no. and we're <laughs> we're at home. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
I, I walk around the corner and I go there and there's a long line. I look inside through the window and it's a full service restaurant. They're closed dine in. The, they have carry out only. So there's a line going around the walls inside Steak and Shake. And I'm assuming it has to do with staffing because I only saw two people in the building. Wow. I worked for Steak and Shake when I was super young, when I was like 18, 19 right. years old. And I thought about just going in and be like, hey, y'all need some help. <laughs> you know, let me <laughs> pay, pay me cash. I'll, I'll I'll go work your grill for a little while. I don't think I've ever eaten steak and shake. They don't have it where we live. No, it's but just smashed I, burgers. Yeah, yeah, I've had smashed, smashed burgers. I've I've heard comparisons. Yeah, it's like when we went to um, when my wife and I drove to uh, Portland this year. We had to go to a Jack in a Box. Yeah, because you know we don't have them at home. So yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm never going to try it. It was fine. Did you get a taco. I don't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that was the great thing about Jack in a Box. Let me get this straight. You pull up to the drive-through. It's a burger place and a taco place. Yeah, burgers and tacos. This but is blowing my mind. Fried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, whatever. That's that's my jam. I'm I'm okay with fried. I use an air fryer now for everything at home. So it I takes haven't out bought the one yet. I've heard great things. I could tell you. I could tell you all about it because that's all I've been doing. My friends are sick of hearing it. But I wish they were here at Gencom. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's sad. I've I've got stuff going on at home. Um, this week's been rough. Yeah, my uh, we've we've had a medical a serious medical issue in the family. Mm. Um, we've uh, we had a close friend who lost a pet uh, this morning. Mm. Uh, we have a uh, another friend whose mom, one of my gamers, whose mom had a parent pass away. This like I I guess it was like Wednesday or Thursday. I think Thursday. I didn't hear about it until this morning. Yeah, and I uh, yeah, and we're close. It's just I'm so disconnected because I'm right. up here. And nobody's reaching out to me, and I'm like I said, this weird to think when I, when I realize that it's like I want to be hanging out here with my gamers. I want my people up here, so yeah. I can, so I can share this experience. Figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, 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 that's the thing is, yeah, just kind of browbeat them into helping. Well, I mean, obviously, the way to make it happen is to pay for it all, but I'm not necessarily there, so yeah. you know, that's uh, that's that's the best way. Yeah, but maybe one of these days, who knows? I well, so I did have another thought. Yeah, about game innovation. Uh, we're still on that, are we? <laughs> well, I, I think this is pertinent. What if game innovation is like being a improvisational, improvisational musician or just uh, growing as a musician? We're both musicians, so we know what I'm talking about. Sure. But the more you play with other people, the further All you grow. All my audience are, too, so we're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the more you play with other people, the further right. you grow. Uh, you can only go so far in a vacuum. That Unless is, you're insane. But it's also true, you find that you have to seek more challenges to grow further. For sure. And so, um, that, not to stretch that metaphor thin, but in kind of in deference to what you're saying, it's just like, I would, I, I was, when I was younger, I was a musician, I jammed with my friends, mm -hmm. we put a game band together, we did great, I continued playing, they didn't. Right. Some of them. So, you know, I get older, I have to look for other people more on the level. Right. You know, and so I connect with people who are not necessarily my friends, mm -hmm. form bands. And, it, I mean, we become friends, but we only have that in common. Right. So it's different. They look at me. <laughs> Gaming? What? You know, they yeah. have no idea. So I, and that was fine. I mean, it's not a big deal or anything, but it does create a different kind of dynamic. And consequentially, as you continue to grow, you continue to require greater and more innovative challenges, things to push you in new directions, things you haven't tried. For sure. If you are somebody that is scaling those to that talent in your life. That's true in role-playing. That's true in Absolutely. anything creative you do. Absolutely. Um, and, and you never thing, find the perfect mix. 
And no, realizing that that's okay is important, of course. But, you know, do you go to, yeah, it's like applications. Wow, this metaphor is great. (laughs) If you get on stage with a drummer who's just solid, we're okay. Yeah. But I'm not going to necessarily take the drummer into the studio. Right. Because I need better than that in the studio. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I get, it, I get it. Yeah, it's just like gaming groups. You know, I, I, I'm lucky. I've been surrounded by fantastic role players, but I don't make that some sort of like obtuse criteria to be in my game. You know? No, I mean th- th- to be fair, everyone you meet, they see you as a snapshot right. of who you are right now, even though you yourself are the compilation of all of your experiences and the thoughts you've had and the specific w- roads you've walked. Sure. Um, that does not mean that they have to know all of that history to be engaged with you or on some creative level. What you share in those situations is a love for whatever your hobby is. In this case, we're talking music or gaming. So while my friends that I, your friends that you used to jam with in high school, they stopped playing, you kept on playing. The, the gaming allegory is my friends in high school may have used to like playing Monopoly. I kept on gaming. I don't really dig Monopoly anymore. They still do. That doesn't mean I won't necessarily go play Monopoly with my friends, but they're probably not coming up to play, you know, Gloomhaven with me. I may or... not play Monopoly. <laughs> I'm just saying. There is, you're really scraping the bottom of that, that barrel. That, that was the plan. That was the you plan. Know, uh, it's not like, it, it, it's like, the, okay, see, Candyland isn't a game. No. Monopoly is a terrible game. There's a big difference. <laughs> Unless you're playing against a computer, then it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just feel like you need that, um, like being a musician, you, you need both your history and your present to be propelled into your future <laughs> in in any cre- type of creative endeavor. That's really insightful. I like that. Uh, and I feel like we lost a lot of that in Maybe. this gaming community with well, the way we had to shift the way we were doing we were performing the hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, which created innovation in and of itself. True, but was that a lateral movement? I, I don't. I don't know. Right. I, I kind of feel like the gaming industry has been around for so long. Games have been around for so long. People have been so enveloped in this hobby for so long that I think it's going to take more than a couple years of trials and tribulations to actually put the brakes on. But I think we're slowing down a little bit. Hopefully we ramp back up. I think the most important way to answer that question is kind of look at how long it took the community to start taking advantage of the technology. Yeah. That has been there for a decade. For sure. Roll20 has been there for nine years. Longer, I think. I, I really feel like if you, uh, if, you, if you go back and look at the reaction to... Well, well, tabletop gamers. Tabletop gamers. Social. You play it at the table with your friends. You're not looking for the same experience that people that sit in their basement and play MMOs are looking for. No. And that becomes the contrast. You are either on your computer in a room by yourself playing with people through a screen. Yeah. Or you are socially gathering for a thing. And the social aspect of it is part of the experience. Social event gaming. Right. Coined, so Coined by CarpetGM.net. Yep. Well, good call. <laughs> so I, if, if you uh, look at where that's come and the, the pandemic made it necessary to expand our horizons of you know, our, our definitions of social gaming uh, to encompass this technology, we weren't embracing it. 
We weren't because we could get our friends together, which I kind of feel like is the default answer, which is going to be more fun, getting your friends together in the same room or getting your friends together, say, over a computer screen where it's less of a social event. It still may be an event. You've played time. You've made time for it. You've blocked that time out in your day. You've been thinking about it all day. So all of that stuff is still the same. The difference may be the physical proximity, the, the human contact, the social event of it all of a sudden kind of taking on the same view and maybe some of the same feel as the MMO solo in your basement. And, and you can see the reaction to the, the human response to it in how people have reacted to it because our online convention, for example, doesn't yeah. have near the attendance. Sure, neither does Gen Cons. And they have a massive one, and it was really well done. I don't know if you looked into that at all. I did not bother, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's really well done, but it's it's still just a virtual convention. So, And, and virtual con, it, it takes some of the... Uh, it, it, in a way, it kind of doubly takes that away. Yeah. Because it takes away the social component that you're accustomed to with the energy of, of a room, of, of people together. Mm -hmm. But it also takes away the immediacy. Because I can run an online convention, anybody can play from anywhere in the world, suddenly my online convention is the exact same convention as everybody else that runs an online convention like yeah. mine. You know, so then it's a matter of kind of checking off your calendar, how many cons do I want to be in this month? Right, Let's exactly. See. I could play this, some D&D over here, and I could play... The real difference has been that those innovations are not there as strongly for the board gaming or card gaming world. Yeah. Because they, although the technology is there, it isn't user-friendly. You know, they, there's tools that make it possible. And then there's some tools that have gone ahead and integrated that and made it more accessible. Very few of those are f completely free. Yeah. Actually, almost none of that is I mean, there's a lot free. of work involved there, so I get it. But, yeah, they're not yeah. freeware. So, I mean, unlike, say, you mentioned Roll20, a mm -hmm. lot of the virtual tabletops, uh, a lot of them have free versions of them. Mm -hmm. And you can do everything you need to do to run a game. But... Again, it's kind of neither here nor there. I mean, it's it's an academic discussion and one worth having. Sure. But uh, the Gen Con experience really kind of, you know, puts the uh, puts the lie to it to a certain degree. Yeah. Because these people still show up driving from all over the country at the very least. It was still an awesome convention. And, and, and that's in the midst of, I mean, the pandemic isn't done. No. You know, there's, I know people that are silently judging me for being here. For sure. They handled it very, they handled it well. People are being pretty responsible. It, it's up to you, you know, to make sure to be your own uh, yeah. chaperone and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and washing your hands and stuff like that. But uh, there was another friend who I was hoping to meet here this weekend who um, I, I reached out to him. Uh, I mean, uh, we talked, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago and he was still pretty excited to be here and everything and it wasn't a big deal to him to to just kind of jump on a plane and be here right and i talked to him this week earlier this week and he's like man i'm sorry the way things are going right now i'm just not ready right you know and i get it yeah but maybe i didn't get it in scope until i was out there t this weekend you know i i am doing what i can for me right to stay safe, mm -hmm. which you know you do what you can with the uh, with the the basic safety and health um, regulations, but this convention isn't doing a lot. No, you know they can't they can't really police it. They're not they're not requiring you know. They bought a big measures. piece of equipment. They bought a big piece like a filter that the hospital ionizes the air and everything. Yeah, that's right. The, so they the spent a bunch of money there, but they're which, not. They, they could be guiding traffic better. Yeah, you know, uh, there's no, there's plenty of space in the convention actually, mm -hmm. given the smaller crowd, 
and yet there's no attempt to space people out beyond setting tables for their part. Yeah. But, you know, you set tables for the part, and you're still sitting with six strangers at mm-hmm. a table. They Maybe. are enforcing mask mandates, but there's still a lot of people that can flout them because it's a huge convention. Yeah, you know? exactly. And the deal of a hall is freaking packed, man. That's a scary place to hang out for too long. Yeah, for sure. You know? They, they've got hand sanitizer all over the place in there. They do. But, you know, you're still, it's elbow to ass. And a lot of the vendors have, got, have gotten real creative about, you know, their booths. If there's tactile things to make mm-hmm. sure and kind of change up the way they're presenting everything to make things cleaner, to make things safer, right. to make it so that they can, you know, if you're going to handle something, they have an easy way to clean it after right. you do. And uh, a lot of them have hand sanitizer available, even at their booths. And I mean, it's, it's fine. It's everybody's doing the best they can for the most part. Yeah. And there does seem to be a ton of compliance. I don't feel terribly unsafe. I'm vaccinated. I don't feel terribly unsafe in that regard anyway. But, you know, there's there's people that are still having health issues with that. For sure. And, and when people's lives are on the line, or yeah. whether you think that's not the case, it's a pretty polarizing topic. It is. It is. And I respect that. Yeah. Absolutely respect that. And I don't, um, I don't think that anybody should be, you know, called to the carpet for the decision to come or to the convention to stay away. Yeah. Based on, you know, where they are in their life and their their choices. But... Grown-ass man, I do what I want. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, so I hear, man. How was your night last night? Uh, uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> not that, in the air. That, that's, uh, that's a classified. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it uh, was really cool to see you here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, literally, I didn't plan a thing. I didn't have... Anything uh, looking forward once I got to Gen Con, except Eric Carl's going to be there. I'm going to finally meet this damn dude. Uh, it's been a decade, long time coming. Got to game with you a couple of times. Yeah. Which was fun. Yeah, absolutely fun. Which would not be an episode of Metagamers Anonymous or Carpe GM Gamecast if we didn't talk about one tiny little thing. I'm going to set a seed for you that you might be able to cover in, in another episode of your show with your players. Sure. So we were playing Savage Worlds. We were playing uh, an awesome mashup of Count Dracula and the <laughs> Return of the Hound of, Hound Bas- of the Baskervilles. Hand of the Baskervilles, yeah. yes. So the party was basically Indiana Jones, a millionaire thrill-seeking thief, a crunchy, salty investigator, and uh, what was a the- hard-nosed priest. Yeah, he was like, a, like one of those... like. Vatican agents. Yeah, exactly. So that's the party. We're going through the the adventure, which was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Lots of opportunities. It was weird. It was weird. (laughs) Peter's good at weird. But it was fun. It was weird. It was fun. I got to stretch my muscles a little bit. I haven't been able to role play for a while. So that was nice. So here is the colonel. There comes a point in the game where the big bad has played his card. Mm-hmm. Bad shit's going down. Yep. There's not a whole lot we can do. We're, we're kind of at a, a a three-way standoff here, essentially. And the priest wants to make, uh, I think it was a knowledge check. Sure. He some, wants to, some kind of check, yeah. Yeah, he wants to make a check. My hard-nosed, crunchy investigator has a full dice plus above him in his skill, in the skill that he wants to use. Sure. He wants to make the check... Logic says I should be making the check. Right. My turn hasn't come yet. Right. He wants to make the check. I let him make the check. Don't say a word because in character, his character would have been making the check even though my stats were better. 
So I pumped the brakes to allow him his experience with his right. character and was okay with any repercussions that come from that. So at what point do you pump the brakes on efficacy for effect? Good word. So uh, interestingly enough, to me, a lot of these decisions come down to simple uh, role-playing. Yeah. In this situation you're talking about, if if this had been in that moment, uh, let's say it was a because uh, they in Suede they've changed all the knowledges to specific things mm-hmm. like a cult, a cult check for example. Right. Let's say it was like that. So uh, trying to figure out if he, could, if he knows a thing or can figure a thing out if it reminds him of anything, make an occult check. Now, if like in this situation, I think his character were kind of doing this on his own mm-hmm. in the moment was like. Thinking about this, casting you through his knowledge, through the Rolodex in his head, trying to spit out an answer, but not communicating about it to anyone. Right. Then the check is his no matter what. Right. Now, that does not preclude you, your character, from just doing the same thing two actions later. Particularly if he doesn't then say, oh, wait, I got this. Yeah. Because you're not having a conversation about it Mm -hmm. in character. And that's all it comes down to. Now, if you were having a conversation about it, like if he had said, I want to make an occult check and uh, say, I say out loud, you know, you know, this reminds me of something. Is there something in lore about this, this or this that this might be related to and your character is going, well, you know, I, I, I also have this Rolodex and my check is better. That's the point at which you can look at the other player and say, yeah. if we're going to band this together at this point, let me make the check and get the bonus if you make your check on top of mine. Right. And we'll do it that way. And that works. Mm-hmm. You know, that works. But it literally comes down to role-playing. There is no point at which agency should rely on who is necessarily best at something. Mm-hmm. It is incumbent upon you as the player to explore ideas with your character that you feel are not necessarily the thing that they're good at, although that will always in my mind, typically be the thing that a person navigates toward. Right. You know, but the thing that makes sense to you in the moment that your character can do, would do. It isn't necessarily a question of, you know, what's, unless your character is that person. Right. You know, wait a minute, we should be pooling our resources in most situations. I'm always going to reach out there and say, does somebody know something about the occult that I don't that may be helpful? Yeah. In this case, we weren't able to have a conversation. Uh, we were actually both interacting with the same big bad, and I was literally holding him. Right. So I was involved in this conversation. You were engaged in it. I was way. engaged in it. So I could have feasibly, still within the, the realm of not metagaming, right. been involved in that check. Here's the twist. Here's another spin on the exact same situation was that in this particular scenario, the priest did not have a whole lot to do. He was a lot of flavor. He did a lot of flavor stuff. Right. Um, and so he was almost more of a set piece than an effective character. And he did it well. The players oh, seemed fantastic. to be having, having a lot of fun hamming it up. He fantastic. Was, he was obviously he was looking up verses on his phone. Oh, uh, it was had, awesome. Yeah, you know, referential was, you know, BS. Yeah. You know, it was great. It was awesome. And so... When he goes to make this check, the next, the very next thing that comes to my mind is the fact that, yes, this is absolutely a thing this priest can do. Doesn't matter if I'm better at it than he is. Right. He's a player in this game. So at what point do you pull back on your own experience to further someone else's? I had a, 
I had a D and D game I ran yesterday for um, the Money Cook Games people. Yeah, uh, they were they they had us uh, they gave us a an adventure for their tallest setting um, that they were running both cipher cipher system and five E, and I I drew a lot for a five E game, yeah. which I mean I know the system well, even if I. Most of the tallest knowledge I had was from the third edition release of it, which was a few years back. Right. But, and, and the, 5e, the 5e volume is large enough to kill small children. <laughs> it is a massive tome. I kid you not. It is like a thousand some odd pages. Wow. It's immense. But, and a beautiful book. But, uh, and, and colored in a way that the blood might not show up. No. Anyway. <laughs> I, I was running this game, and you could tell... Now, these five people, I think two of them knew each other prior, maybe. These five people were not necessarily people that knew each other before sitting at the table. They were strangers. But because it's D&D, and everybody knows the archetypes, yeah, they know kind of what their role is going in, or the, the standard expectations of their mm-hmm. role. So unless you sit down and say something like, you know what, I know that... Um, I know that uh, a cleric is typically a support caster and a healer, but it just so happens that I want to play a cleric who always runs in and gets into trouble first thing, and sets a different expectation. Yeah, because the players, the group, uh, presumably knew each other, the character the characters. Mm-hmm. Then basically, you have people sit down and go, "Okay, I am playing the cleric, so I know my role. I am playing the fighter. You know my role." In fact, the first thing that happened was they sat down, they picked out the characters. And I don't know how quickly somebody had written up the 5e characters. Yeah. But they picked up the characters, and one of them was an elf, a fighter, an archer, with a longsword. And looking at his stats, it would have made more sense for him to carry a rapier. Okay. Now, there may be some reason that they didn't do that that I don't know. I haven't opened the tallest book, for example, and seen things like maybe rapiers don't exist here for some reason. Right. Or maybe they're super expensive and he couldn't afford it. But he's looking at this going, could I change this out or buy one? And I told him this this vendor they were talking to would give him deals and stuff. So I, I, I role-played a deal with him, and right. he picked up a rapier, which was a better, you know, better stats for him. But anyway, the point was they powered through this adventure because they all sat down and did exactly what they were good at. Yeah. And they did it as a group because D&D is that kind of game. The roles are all pretty well carved out. Right. You know, when you have people at the table playing these character classes, these archetypes, these constructs, and as long as they kind of follow that formula, which there's nothing wrong with breaking formula, and that's important, except that you need to be aware of what it does to your game. And if you're sitting down for a convention game... You don't have a whole lot of time to grow into that character. Yeah, and you may be kind of messing the fun up for people, I guess. Yeah. If you get too far out of whack, you know. But they, I mean, they were monstrously successful at this. They just powered right through everything. Uh, and creatively, too. I mean, they talked their way past one of the fights and, you know, definitely avoided, you know, following another one that uh, the adventure obviously bl- blindly expected that they would stumble right into. And they're yeah. like, you know, that looks dangerous. Let's go this way. <laughs> you know, so, wow. You know, they, they, they came in the back door to attack the bad guy. And I was like, but it was... Um, it was easy to see how that works. So in contrast to a game like Savage Worlds where characters can... They, you can build archetypes, build two archetypes, but the game is a generic system where you can build anything. Yeah. You know, and, and there's no set expectation of how, how they're going to work together. No, you say you want to play Savage Worlds, you could be asking a lot of questions. And the, the priest uh, that you're talking about, uh, what was the first thing he did that was really effective? 
walked in and started casting protection magic on everybody. Yep. Actually, the first thing he did was as soon as there was a wolf outside, he cast uh, night vision. Oh, yeah. So that we could see in low light. Yeah. And on all of us. Yeah. I was like, wow. Very effective. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> very effective. So, but yeah, so that was a super fun, super fun game. Uh, lots of laughs, lots of silliness, plenty of opportunity for role playing. But I just thought, you know, just those two little tidbits, actually the one tidbit from the two different angles, I thought might make some uh, good conversation. So yeah, that's good stuff, man. Well, it was, it was good getting a game with you. Always. That's something we got to do more of. Uh, needs to happen more often for sure. And. Um, I I know for a long time I talked about trying to get you in on some of the online stuff. Yeah. And you never really, of course, you worked a lot of nights and stuff. So. Restaurant business. Uh, What's a weekend? Yeah. And now we're trying to get away from it a little more if we can, playing yeah. more at home again. Cool. Which, you know, it's because we're with our friends and we feel yeah. safe that way. And we have still got, I still got one online game every week, uh, mostly because we're kind of spread out and we don't necessarily, everybody don't want, I, I, it's like a Tuesday night thing. You get to play for like two hours. Right. I don't want everybody to come over to the house for like two hours. You know? Right. So, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure Absolutely, it out. I need to come to St. Louis. I, I want to. I just. I like seeing new places, even though it's like you'll say, oh, "There's nothing special about yeah. that." You know, it's like I get it. I've been I here but, forever. But I remember, you know, when the first time I came to Wichita, I was enchanted by the city because it yeah. was new and interesting, and I've never seen the freaking arch, man. <laughs> so, yep, it's was, a real thing. It's there. I was hoping we'd go close enough on the Gen Con trip that I could at least see the arch in the distance and get a pic. Nah. No? No, we're close. I mean, we switch over to 70 after when you're getting close to St. Louis. It'll take you parallel and you can see the arch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to slow slow us down. You know, we, it's a long drive, man. Yeah. It's a long drive. I'm glad it wasn't a bear for you to get air. Uh, I mean, it, it's all, I'm only about four hours away usually. This time it took almost six. Wound up being late just because of traffic stuff, unforeseen yeah. garbage, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not a bad drive. I don't mind driving four hours. Once you get outside of four to five hours, I kind of don't want to do it by myself. Usually. And that's the thing. It's like a 12-hour drive for me. Yeah. Sounds like you need really? to uh, drive up here, stay in downtown St. Louis at the Hilton right next to the uh, <laughs> the arch, and then get back on the road. There you go. Oh, you don't have a spare bedroom? Well, I mean, <laughs> come on over, I guess. It's fine. <laughs> you can find a couch for you. I yeah. like that. I'll make it happen. <laughs> Dude, well, it's good seeing you. Good seeing you, sir. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah, great. I, mean, I don't I don't know if I'll be back, but I I'm definitely gonna remember this trip. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Uh, good burger. It was a good burger. Yeah, good burger. What was that place? I don't remember. Uh, uh I don't know. Long, Longmire. Long. I don't. Lowmire. Lowmire. What's all I got? Something like that. Low Miller. We have to look it up. Low Miller. <laughs> I don't I'll know what it show was. Notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll put it in the show notes. All right, man. Low Myers bacon barbecue blue cheese. Blue cheese burger. Burger, yeah, yeah that's what it was. Good stuff. <laughs>